you are listening to episode 100 of the God Center Mom podcast. There needs to be balloon streamers that pop out of your phone or your computer, wherever you're listening. This is exciting. And in honor of the 100th episode, I'd like to say that I'm super organized and I plan this out, but honestly, all glory to God, because he made a way for me to be able to sit across from my friend, Jen Klaus. She is an awesome woman of God who's discipled all sorts of people that I interact with every day. She also, a few years ago, was diagnosed with breast cancer. And then last December, it came back and is now uh, in the terminal stages of fighting that cancer battle. And, uh, you know, Jen, if you know her, anyone who knows Jen, she lives big, she loves big, and she uh, loves God and knows God. And I just felt like our God knew that this would be the message we needed to hear at a time when life is busy and the holidays are all consuming and our to-do lists are long And after talking with Jen, one thing I came away with is all the things I get to do. And it kind of shifted my perspective, even picking up my boys from school. She talks about how other people pick up her, her son from school now. And I just thought, I get to pick them up. I get to go do these things. And um, it also made me recognize the importance of my friendships. I have good friends, but sometimes the things I need to do can take priority over spending time making that phone call, reaching out, and uh, lingering a little bit longer in conversation with friends. And and her perspective helped me do that. It also, she left me with a true taste that there is so much goodness on this earth that God is allowing us to see glimpses of heaven. And to really take notice of those, thanking God for them. Not They're not guilty pleasures, but they're truly just blessings, God's breath here on earth, and that they also give us that... Um, true sense of expectancy and hope for what is to come. I want to let you know, too, that throughout this interview, I have, I'm surprising Jen, I reached out to some of her friends, her friends of mine, and asked them to record little messages to Jen. So that's a little treat for her and that you can get a glimpse of of how well she is loved. And then lastly, David Cook Publishers is giving away of a book written by Kara Tippett. I know uh, if you're familiar with her, Battle with Cancer, and it's her book she wrote with her friend, Jill Lynn, and they talk about what friendship looks like in the midst of changing life seasons and laundry and cancer and how to be present with friends who are going through a difficult time. Uh, I just wanted to give away a copy of that book. You can get details on how to enter the win at the end of the this episode. Just stay tuned for that. I think we should get right to it. Major Kleenex warning. I left this interview with makeup smeared down my face. So uh, there's your warning. Grab your Kleenex and let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Jen. Welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. I'm so, so thankful that we made this happen. So welcome. Thank you. Real fun for me. And we're sitting together and Mm -hmm. we have a studio audience of one. (laughs) Miss Jen Dawkins, my My neighbor, is with us and dear friends with Mm -hmm. Jen Klaus. Um, And we just want to come on here I mean, God is so crazy how he orchestrates um, relationships and paths crossing. And I mean, we could go on probably this whole podcast on how our lives have intersected in so many different ways from different friends. And, um, you know, Jen, I'm just, I would love for you to share a little of your backstory. Mm -hmm. Like to first introduce your family and then tell us 
I'm Jennifer Klaus, and I am been married for five years to Scott, and I am a mom of a little boy named Lincoln. It was a total surprise. I was under the illusion that I was in control of pregnancies and things like deciding if I would have kiddos, and um, the Lord shocked us with a baby when um, that was born within the first year of our marriage, and he is now four and a half. His four and a half. Oh my yes. Okay. And, okay, tell us a little bit about, um, in that five years, what has happened mm-hmm. to you, in addition, that was a surprise. <laughs> the next surprise in our world, I had a surprise engagement, and then I had a surprise baby. And then, when he was about eight months old, um, and actually prior to that, I felt a lump in my, lump in my breast that I associated with milk dugs and nursing. So, um, in my anti-hypochondriac ways, I ignored it and didn't think much of it until friends kind of insisted, one being Jim Dawkins, that I see the doctor. So on in February of 2012, we got the diagnosis that I had stage 2B breast cancer, which meant I had a large lump and it already spread aggressively in my lymph node. So um, from there, we went through pretty typical treatments. We had a lumpectomy because I still desired to have other children and nurse those babies. I had um, chemo and um, chemo, followed by surgery and then radiation. A year later, my doctor's real insistent and over many tears and probably the hardest decision I made in the process was a full hysterectomy because um, my cancer was so hormone driven that she felt like I was really increasing significantly my chances of recurrence by maintaining any um, estrogen on my body. So that was in 2013. And then life seemed as normal as whatever normal is. It seemed normal. And then in December of 2014, I had some back pain and that progressed pretty significantly over a weekend to the point of me asking my doctor for some advanced pain medicine. And she sweetly and wisely and very attentively sent me to the ER. And over the course of that weekend, which ironically or providentially was exactly a year ago from this past weekend, the first weekend in December, and I was re-diagnosed as stage four and found out that weekend that cancer had spread to my bones and the pain in my back was actually a broken rib where the cancer had so weakened my bones that in the course of life and a failed handstand yoga, I had broken my back. I was like, I think right before you found out, you were helping me in a bar class at Lifetime, like with my positioning. Like totally, at all the classes, you were totally... I would have said so at the height normal. of health. Yeah, totally yeah, agree. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. one of the fascinating things for me is I've never even been in the hospital except to have a baby. So I'm like, how can it be me? I'm sorry, me? I have cancer? I yeah. stage four cancer? I have a broken back? Well, and when that had ended, like when you'd had the hysterectomy, like they had kind of just cleared you? Like they what was the deal there? They no evidence of disease. Breast okay. cancer is one of those meanies that they will never say recurrence because okay. it, they say treatable but not curable. So okay. I, looking back, my doctor was on a pretty vigilant watch. I don't think she was super confident that I would see a really long life, but I was probably under the Lord's kind naive that I was hopeful. I thought mm-hmm. cancer would likely kill me, but I hoped it would be like in 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that weekend, the diagnosis, what's in your bones, and it's in your liver, and it's in the lymph nodes around your lung and in your, and in your stomach. So for sure, a surprise, a game changer, a reorientation, um, a recalibration, and your world turned upside down. Hey, sweet friend. I love you so much. And as I think about um, 
gosh, just the blessing that your friendship is in my life. Um, I think about how our friendship has evolved. It's changed. It's been stretched and strengthened. And lots of life has been lived in the joy and in the context of our friendship. And I just, um, I think about lots of fun things. And, and even in the midst of cancer, thinking about how something so terrible can be worth mentioning is something that brings a smile to my face is just only the Lord. And it's how the Lord has used your cancer for His glory that really, um, really makes my heart full. You emulate Psalm 115.1, and I'm thankful to have had the sweet privilege to walk this road with you in the midst of the heart and the sad and the reality of what it is. And this friendship that has shaped my life in, in more ways than I can even imagine um, are beyond a lifetime. And I love how you reflect on Psalm 42.3 of, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will trust in the Lord. Thank you, friend. Love you. I know your friends. They were there. And in His kindness, um, I firmly believe of course, that cancer is so not of the Lord because it's everything about the fallen world we live in. It's yeah. sickness, it is suffering, it is a death. And yet I see so clearly the Lord's ability to bring good out of what Satan or man intended for evil. Um, the gifts of cancer are phenomenal. And at the top of that list um, would be seeing and experiencing the fullness of the Lord's love, um, the hands and feet of the body of Christ, would never wish this on anyone, but I would wish that folks could experience the fullness of the body of Christ in their community and their friends, loving them and serving them in a way that is just truly supernatural and surreal. And, you know, I think one of the other gifts that we want, I think you want to talk about today is just all of a sudden life is put in such a perspective um, that it's kind of like I said about the baby. I lived under the illusion of control prior to surprise pregnancy. And then I went through another season of the illusion of control um, as if I knew what my days would hold. And the Lord pretty clearly, sweetly shattered that over the course of that weekend that I am not in control. And He does number days and He does ordain and He is good in all of this. But um, for the first time in a tangible way, your heart and mind is set on things above and not on things on this earth because this is your reality. And the doctor's looking at you and not wanting to answer the question, but when you say, what is my prognosis? To say statistically, women diagnosed at stage four live on an average no more than 26 months, which for me would be February 2017. You immediately went. Mm -hmm. You immediately calculated. You can't help but think. You counted your days. So what does that yeah. look like? How many more Christmases? And how old will Lincoln be? And do I even get 26 months? Because... For everybody that tells me I've got really good news, my aunt lived five years, then Scott and I laugh and say that means statistically that someone else lived three months. And right, so right, we right. know that only the Lord knows. So you have you have your days, mm -hmm. you have your gifts, mm -hmm. and we'll talk more about the gifts, but for a little piece, I know I get contacted by women, and it may not be cancer, it may be just chronic pain, mm -hmm. it may be um, illness, it may be... Um, something that makes everyday challenging mm -hmm. and the reality of their everyday and they have children and 
let's I mean let's talk about the heart it's hard because you do have that eternal perspective that we'll get to but like right Mm -hmm. now the moment to moment Mm -hmm. what does someone do Mm -hmm. to push through and and to Mm -hmm. meet those needs and yet feel feel awful yeah I do I really grieve I think I think you're right I think there's chronic pain I think there's emotional disorders right I think there's really hard marriages. I mm. think there's real trauma and drama with children. And I do especially grieve for those ladies because I say about myself, there's something that we can all label and are familiar with, and it's called cancer, and we know how to do a care calendar. Mm. My heart's especially heavy for those that are dealing with things that are even maybe not as clear and more ambiguous, and they're really suffering in a way that maybe doesn't get a care calendar. Yeah. No, I was yeah, I was just talking about that with a friend the other day. She's like, you know, some single moms yes. where their story isn't a husband died or a, they're a widow, like their needs are just not, as great. Their needs are just as great and they're not getting met because But the support system Yeah. Is their their support system may not be in place or they just may not be aware of how to meet those needs. And so um and I do well, I feel so incredibly loved by our support system that has been absolutely amazing so it's almost hard for me I almost feel um, guilty at times when I'm at chemo or other places that I think oh my gosh I'm so well taken care of um and yet to your point to your question there's still lots of moments alone where you're laying on the couch and you're not sure if you should get up and go hang out in the bathroom because you're fixing to puke your guts or if you should just stay there and just pray that the Lord delivers you from this wave of nausea in this pain or if you should take some medicine to just totally knock you out so you can sleep through it and pray and hope that whoever's got your little boy is in good shape because you can't even reach for your phone to check and see if anyone's called. Mm-hmm. And and in those moments, I think um, I think a couple things. I think all we have is the Lord and then I think there's other moments and I think the Lord fully gets us and understands that He is with us and upholding us, even we don't even have the strength to call to him. Because I sometimes think women get burdened with this idea of like, it's not, it's been a sweet season with the Lord, but it's looked very different than all my other sweet seasons because I don't have the stamina or energy for long seasons in the word like I did before. Mm-hmm. My body is not able um, in those deep pain to do much more than cry out for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of would want to even set women free from this burden of, um, trying to kind of get it right as if you did these certain things in the Christian walk he would deliver us from our pain mm. is we just I'm so desperate for him at times and that's all I am it really is just I was laying on the couch and saying help Lord help Jesus please Jesus please deliver me and just trusting that Holy Spirit groans on our behalf right he like totally does friends and I were talking about that this morning that when we don't know how to pray and and I see him truly meet all of my needs according to the riches of his grace in Christ Jesus and I see him interceding and I would I want to provide hope um, for women that he sees you mm-hmm. and he hears you and that those cries um, when you're the only one there don't go unheard or unnoticed So you, and you mentioned it and I've seen it from afar your support system mm mm-hmm. To a woman listening who has a friend mm-hmm. in that situation, um, 
how can we be good friends? Mm, sweet. Good word. Um, I have lots of thoughts on this because it's been really humbling. I've realized probably when I wasn't such a great friend, mm. um, really taught by those that have loved me well. Um, but I could give a few quick words on that. Um, one would be um, to be specific in your offers for help. So I've learned the difference between someone saying to me, hey, I'm at the store, what do you need? Mm. It's very easy for me to answer. Someone just texting on Monday morning and said, I have flexibility this week, how can I help? That's almost an overwhelming question to me because I don't know if you're good at babysitting or if you want to run errands. And if you put a lot of burden on the sick person to figure out how to use your time and talents, they're probably not going to be used. Wow. But if you yeah. could be so specific as to say, I'm running errands today and I'm headed to Target, what do you need? I can rattle off my target list so fast <laughs> yeah. that I can't yeah. necessarily align my family's needs with your schedule. Yeah. Or saying like Wednesday, I'm wide open. Can I watch Lincoln? That is I, the way to summarize it is if you could ask your friend a question that they can answer with a yes or no. Right. Then you're on to something. So yes, right. I can answer yes or no to Wednesday. Mm. The other thing is I think if you're offering to help, I think you might want to try to be in a position where you can say yes, because it's hard for us to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you ask for help and folks repeatedly say that doesn't work for me, I'm not going to go back to you. And that's my own sin and fear of rejection. I acknowledge. But a common human A common human fear of rejection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like when people have said, hey, I want to help, I don't know what it looks like. I'm not saying clear your whole world, but you probably need to be prepared to help. If you're going back to, if you're not going to ask me that real specific question, that's really within your skill set and within your availability that I can say yes or no to. If you're going to be broad and general, um, you're going to bless us both if you're prepared to say yes. But if that's too much, because I'm not a kid crazy person, so I'm not the one saying, can I take all your kids right. on Wednesday? But I for sure am one that can say, hey, I'm at the store. Can I bring milk? I'm into washing laundry. Can you leave your laundry on the front porch? I'd love to come get it and bring it back tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to encourage women to try to serve within the way they're wired. Like, I don't, I'm not a good cook. And so I was stressed out for years feeling guilty about taking meals. And that's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. And it was stressful and not life-giving to me or probably the person eating my meal. But I wanted people, I want people to be like, if you're really good at graphic design, offer to do my Christmas card. If right. you're really good, if you don't mind running errands, ask about running me an errand. Because I need all of those things. Right. So a friend right now offered to sell some stuff of mine on Park City Resale. Do you think that blessed my socks off? You know, yes. and that's, she's just saying, kind of like, it reminds me of um, the woman at the well. It reminds me of the little, the stories we tell about the little shepherd boy. Just bringing what they have and some offering it to your friends. Fish. Yes. A couple fish. Yes. I, well, I need those fish. It does not have to be used. Because sometimes it's the idea that it's huge that stops us. It's totally. the barrier to entry. It, the barrier to entry is, I don't want to reach out. I don't know what she's going to ask me. Mm. Um, mm. That's and, a good one. Yeah. And I get that one. And, yeah. yeah, what if she does say, can you keep my kids for the weekend? My husband <laughs> and I are trying to get away for a break. You know? And yeah. I get that. I would be... Well, and, and I think that our mind goes to watching kids meals. Like, even your idea, leave your laundry on the front porch, I'll come take it. I wouldn't have even thought to offer that. So, like, and do your Christmas cards. And, like, what yeah, are some, like... helping me address my Christmas... Like, if you have good handwriting, say, can I address your Christmas cards? Okay. Like, really, Lord, what talents do I have that this family could use? And I really love the idea of asking the Lord, what do I have to offer this family? Mm. And, and go, that's a yes-no question. Like, would you want help addressing your Christmas cards? I can answer yes or no to that. You know, yeah. would you? 
can I decorate your Christmas tree? I'm like maybe someone else decorate our Christmas tree and it's lovely. And I didn't do that. And so I think that's been really fun because it's really taught me a lot about what can I offer folks. It's huge. Yeah. And it's a blessing. It does not have to just be meals or my little man. Yeah. But there's, there's regular help. There's there regular, is. there's errands for me. Yeah. I didn't drive for like two weeks, but there's still laundry to pick up and yeah. errands. And, and you've had people present with you. Mm-hmm. I have had a lot of people present with me and that makes it, that's a huge gift. Yeah. And there are times when I've told them, I think I'll just throw up on my own. <laughs> I'd rather not have an audience mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's times when I said, I can't sleep. Jen, could you rub my feet till I can fall asleep? And she just disappears when I fall asleep. And so if you can rub feet, offer to rub your friend's feet. Like, it really is sweet to see all the ways that some people, I'm sure there's a woman listening that literally just dry heaved in her car at the thought of touching someone's feet. <laughs> and there's probably someone else in there that's freed up thinking, you know what, I have great hands. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, I think that opening your mind up to, I think you worded it perfectly. What am I gifted at? Mm-hmm. What do I have? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're sitting in a back house. Someone offered their back house. Y'all were able to sell your house. Mm-hmm. The plan was to build. Yeah, we're actually rebuilding on our lot. So we just scraped our house okay. and are rebuilding our house on our lot. And while you're doing that... So for a year, we're transplanted to someone's lovely back house for free. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that... I think That's their incredible gift. So not everybody have, has a back house. Yeah, but some people have possessions and not time. Agree. Some people have time and not possessions. Exactly. Yeah, and I really... I've been really blessed for those that are monetarily blessed. I mean, there's some checks in the mail that will blow your socks off. And our family could never do that. Yeah. But those same people, I don't, they may not have the, the, the time. time or they may not be in town mm-hmm. to do laundry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lulu, it's Momo here. I just wanted to tell you that the greatest gift that you have given to me is teaching me how to love others. You love hard and you love from your heart and you love well beyond friendly obligation. From the orphans in Africa to the special needs adult whom any other person might be scared to sit next to, your heart is big for people whom others might shy away from. And I love how you love me, you love my husband, you love my friends, you love my friends of friends. You spend time helping me decorate my house when your own body is tired and weary. You remember names. You encourage me and process through decisions, both big and small, with a passion that extends beyond normal friendship. And Jen, the reason you love so big is because your greatest love of all is for Jesus. And I'm thankful that you will get to meet him soon because I know it will be well with your soul as you finally rest before his throne and sit in his arms as he tells you, well done. Thank you for giving me these past 10 years of teaching me about him and his love for me. And thank you for modeling that for me. Thank you that you've given me a huge amount of excitement just to be in his presence. And you will be one of the very first people that I look for when I get to heaven too. I love you, friend. Okay, I am going to transition us to you don't just have good friends in cancer. (laughs) Because prior to all this, the word on the street in Dallas is all the women you have discipled. Like, mass quantities of women you've discipled. The irony being I thought someone was discipling you. <laughs> and I thought Jen Dawkins was discipling you, but well, There's whatever. a lot of truth in that. Whatever. So, a part of that is you and another guy I've had on the show, Kay Wyma, who, um, her kids are at my school, and 
my school. Like, I own it. Um, <laughs> and y'all have led this Bible study. And it was in a home. Mm-hmm. And so funny, someone contacted our church to have it at the church for the summer. And I think the staff at the church was like, sure, it's, like, coming from a house. And there were, like, 20 people. Like, 20 people coming. We got a room for 20 people. And they're blown away when, like, over, I mean, how many people? Oh, I don't know. Over 100. Over 100? A couple hundred? Like, a lot of people are coming to this Bible study. And the topic for the summer was heaven. Mm -hmm. And Randy Alcorn's book. Mm -hmm. In Light of Eternity. In Light of Eternity. And so many people were blessed. By that, um, so I just love like, what are some takeaways? What, what are some like big things or small things that God has taught you mm-hmm. through studying the concept of heaven? I think, as you and I spoke before the podcast began, I think one of the things that kind of blew me away before we started was our lack of familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the church, I've the privilege of being in Bible teaching churches, so I feel like I've been pretty well grounded in truth. Yeah, and yet this was a topic. It was like my eyes, the like the veil was removed on this subject. And so as we talked the first week of that study, we talked a bit about why are we scared to talk about heaven or why is it uncomfortable or why don't we? And maybe scared is the wrong word. But we did have a conversation. And the reality is, I think to get to heaven, we have to go through death. And most of us would prefer not to dwell there. And I think to go through death means either facing our own or facing the loss of ones that we've loved that... Um, Maybe, and I've lost my dad and he was in college, and I'm one of those that sometimes thinking about these things and not being 100% assured of his salvation would just make my heart turn away from thinking about that. Mm. But probably more than anything because I naively and probably not very intellectually honest, I thought, I just have to believe it's good because God says so. Mm. And maybe I'm not really that keen on what I've heard, um, but I'm kind of going with a blind faith approach that it's good and great and I'll love it rather than um, a pursuit of understanding it. So, for example, I'm not very musically inclined. I'm tone deaf. I don't my <laughs> choir in junior high. And I kind of think it's a lot of worship, and I think of only worship in the terms of song. And, and being talented yes. in that. Right. Yes, in music and harps and all day long. So I like it. <laughs> and being, harps. Shoot, I forgot to take harp lessons. Yes, I didn't take harp lessons. I'm going to sit on a cloud and I'm going to play my harp all day long. And right. kind of secretly being like, that doesn't sound very fun to me. Can I play tennis? <laughs> like that's maybe sacrilegious to say. Right, right. And that what you would enjoy. That what I would enjoy yeah. was not a part of heaven. And yeah. so um, I think it's been really fun to think of heaven in terms of the goodness of what I see on earth without the layer of destruction caused by sin. So Mm. if I think of pre-fall, I think of intimacy with the Father. I think of prior to the sin in the garden, I think of intimacy and relationships. Mm. I think of beauty in creation. Mm. I think of work that is satisfying and meaningful and not a curse. Mm. I think of um, them getting to enjoy the fullness of life. So I think if, for example, I mean... What if it was the fullness of Jim Klaus without my sin, without the ways that I've been wounded, I've wounded others, without the way my character has been marred by my sin, that, wow, what if I could be the fullness of this gin in heaven, enjoying the fullness of my Savior and other people that are not marred by sin? Like, 
that sounded amazing. Mm-hmm. And what if I saw all of a sudden anew on this earth, all the good things he's given us, like, I love to play tennis and I love to look at the mountains and I think the beach is amazing that all those are good and great things the Lord has given us and we got to enjoy those for eternity instead of thinking of those as maybe personal indulgences or Mm. um, empty guilty pleasures if I'm not just all about Jesus but to see Jesus in what is not unholy because it's good and it's life-giving. And just because it's been marred by sin, like my selfishness, or beautiful things by materialism, or um, I don't know what else, but I think you're hopefully tracking with me, that all these good and perfect gifts that the Father has given um, in their fullness in glory for our enjoyment. So that just kind of blew me away. Like, what if I get to just sit around all day long and talk to people and get to know their stories? Because I love that. Yeah. And we get to share what amazing things God did for us in this life and is still doing. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I loved thinking of heaven um, and thinking anew of the Lord's Prayer is like, thy kingdom come, thy will be yeah. done on earth. I'm like, that's written in there, but I've never thought about the connection between the kingdom of God in heaven mm. and the kingdom of God on earth. I heard... Um, the guy that did Veggie Tales, uh-huh. I heard him speak, and he was talking about if we look at Jesus and what he did when he was on Earth, all the healing and all all of the miracles. What was the point of miracles? Mm-hmm. And he was saying, I, he his uh, idea was that it was a glimpse of heaven. And you I know, love that making the blind see, the lame walk, taking away sickness, taking away disease. You know feeding the hungry and I just think that was the purpose it wasn't just it was to show his power yes but ultimately so people get glimpses this is the kingdom and I'm increasingly seeing all good things like a moment or the sweetness of a kind deed witnessed or the sweetness of a conversation is truly being a glimpse of the glory that awaits us and so that's been fun instead of just thanking the Lord for it in the here and now Mm -hmm. to use that to make me excited about my eternity Mm -hmm. Instead of just kind of have all this foggy view. Because mm-hmm. I think once we're excited about eternity, and this Jen and I discussed on the way here, actually, a hard conversation, you know, her simple statement was, this is not our home. Mm-hmm. I tell this story a lot, and I heard it from someone else. But I feel like we all, most of us have been in a hotel at some point. Yeah. And I don't think very many of us are tempted in a hotel to rearrange the room <laughs> and make it perfect. Yeah. yeah. And to make it just so and to fit our, fit our every need. But I feel like I have lived this life that is very temporary and it is much like in comparison a hotel is to my home Mm. and in my home yes I want things to be welcoming and just so because that's kind of I'm the mistress of that domain if you will and yet I don't do that in a hotel because I know it's temporary and it's not mine Mm. and yet I can often live this life as if it's permanent and I'm trying to make it perfect and trying to make this my forever domain. Mm-hmm. And this is as temporary to me as a hotel is. Yeah. And so if I could have that kind of think there's that old gospel, this is not my home. I'm just passing through mm-hmm. and that we could be excited about where we're going because I think most of us haven't stayed heaven enough to be excited about where we're going, mm-hmm. which makes us cling too tightly to things on this earth. I think what you said is like both. Like an appreciation Mm -hmm. and an opening your eyes to see the heaven here, Mm -hmm. but a holding it loosely to recognize it's just a glimpse. Great. And I really, I think it has renewed my joy 
in um, current living. Yeah. So it's not that so heavily minded that we're no earthly good if there right. is such a thing. Exactly. But I don't think there is probably such a thing. But <laughs> um, or Colossians three talks about set your mind on things above mm. where Christ is, see the right hand of Father. So I think it's helped set my mind on the things above. But I really have come to appreciate um, the things on earth that make me really excited about what's to come. You know, it's said that in order to have a friend, you've got to be a friend first. And that's why Jennifer Klaus has so many friends, because she is such a good friend. Jen, this is Kay. And I'll tell you one thing. I am so grateful to be counted in that group of friends. Um, You are an encouragement to pretty much everyone that is in your path. I love the way you remember everybody's name and, and it means so much to be to people to be called by name and you're phenomenal at that and an inspiration. I love having you around because I always know that you're going to know who we're with and, and it's like sunshine. And so thanks for that, Jen. Um, it's a treat and a delight and I love how real you are. What you see is what you get. And to me, those are the best friends. So anyway, Just know that we love you here and um, are just grateful to the Lord for the blessing of your friendship. And you know, one thing, because the the podcast is called God Center Mom, (laughs) one of the things... God Center it up. (laughs) I was going to mom it up. Oh, mom it up. All right. Oh, okay, mom it up. Um, And I am... One of the things I think, one of the gifts of this, I think as believers and women, we know the story of Hannah and we marvel that she could give up, you know, Samuel. And we know the stories um, about, um, we admire in scripture and just in life, women that hold their children loosely, whether that's to the mission fields or to the service or those kinds of things. And I, I've said, I've always said the words of Lincoln is the Lord's that I'm just stewarding and he's, um, you know, mine temporarily and I want to be a model and I'm not responsible for how it comes out. And I think one of the gifts of this season is that I really have to live that. Yeah. And so I feel like I, I know my friends want to live that way, but they're not having to practically speaking think I'm handing him over. I'm handing him over. Yeah. And I am not going to physically, most likely, and if God's able to do whatever he wants, going to be here for those years. And um, I finally had the courage to ask my doctor if I'd see him go to college. And she said no. And the next appointment, I had the courage to say, well, I may get five years. And she said no. And then I finally, in the third question, had courage to say, how long do I have? And that's when she gave me the 26 months. So let's just, using my February 2017, no idea if that's it or not. Um, But my son will be five. And so you have 13 more years parented under our roof that I won't be here for. And while that so grieves me, of course, it's heartbreaking. It's simply heartbreaking for him and for me. And I most wholeheartedly dread the day when I think that I'm telling Lincoln goodbye. And I dread the separation from him more than anyone else. And I dread him going to college and someone saying, tell me about your mom. And I'm saying she died when I was five. And I don't really know her that well. But here's what I know about it. It's one of our prayers that the Lord would just give us a relationship that's deep and meaningful. And um, this sustains him 
in his memories, not so that I can be a legacy, but so that he's connected to the important role of a mom. And, but I really get to hold my son with loose hands and I get to pray for his future in a way that keeps me from trying to control it. And I'm not tempted like I think I would be otherwise to control the outcome of Lincoln's life. And so that's one of the gifts I would wish for other moms is to be able to really turn their hands open. And I mean, I have to really let God's dad play a role. I mean, I can't, I can't usurp Scott entirely like I might want to as a mom. <laughs> yes. Um, because he'll soon be serving him breakfast and getting him dressed for school and picking him up after school or picking him up at his Aunt Jen's house. And so um, that's probably the heaviest burden yeah. and one of the greatest blessings. You know, I was in a mom's group. I think before I was a mom. I don't know what I was in. But I heard this person talking about Hannah. It's interesting mm-hmm. you mentioned Hannah. And uh, and Moses' mom. Mm-hmm. How both of them had their boys through weaning, which was five. Mm-hmm. And that in those five years, their impact was so big mm-hmm. that Samuel heard God's voice. Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, Lord. Your servant's listening. And he had a bad... I mean, Eli was not a great dad. Mm-hmm. His two other sons, totally disasters. Mm-hmm. So it didn't even matter. It wasn't Eli that did it. Mm-hmm. It was those five years with Hannah mm-hmm. and her faith that was transferred to him to be a sweet enough boy, to hear the Lord's voice, to choose King David, mm-hmm. leading to Jesus, to play a vital role. I mean, he heard God in that he didn't even pick David's brothers. Mm-hmm. He chose David. And, and he heard and he obeyed. He obeyed and he saw the heart when the outside would look different. And I think so much of that did, did not come from anyone. I think truly from his mom's faith in those five years. And then Moses, mm-hmm. I mean, he made a lot of mistakes, but he did uh, a lot he did. of good. And he wrote the first five books of the Bible. I mean, God had a plan for him and a purpose. And it, and we, it is, it's Lincoln's story. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you don't want it to be his story, mm-hmm. but I just can't help but think and get excited. I agree. And I really, it's a sweet place to trust Yeah, that the Lord doesn't, there's no part of me that thinks the Lord loves Lincoln less than he loves my friends that aren't facing right. rather imminent death. And we all know that any of my closest friends could go before me for right. any number of reasons. Right. Um, but with kind of the forewarning, if you will, that I get and that he gets because we talk candidly. Yeah. I was going to ask you like how much, how aware is Lincoln? I've seen kind of in some of your blog posts mm-hmm. questions he has or. It's very important for us and um, working with like experts in children and trauma that he is fully aware. And I think it's been a good lesson for us. I think that's more our personalities anyway, Scott and I, to let him learn from our mistakes and learn from our humility. And if we need to own our mistakes in life or our mistakes with him, but um, that's been our desire. But this has been a real good one. And we've been strongly encouraged that... He needs to know um, that we spoke to him in truth. And so we've had everything from mama's dying to um, we're praying for more time to, um, and Lincoln will say, when I when I grow up, mama's not going to be here. And mm-hmm. so, um, and he says it very much as facts. I mean, he's four. Right. Um, very but at least those facts are connected to truth. And I want my son um to hear us live in truth and in love and in grace. Because of the truth we can assure him as well is that mama will be gone, but we regularly ask him, but who will be with you? And to help him believe at a young age that our God will never leave or forsake him. Mm-hmm. 
even though his mama is finite and frail. So speaking of, since you said mom and to those moms who are maybe chronically ill, how do you handle mm. temper tantrums and mm. obedience training, which mm. is that even a thing? Cause man, I'm hitting it hard with the one who's almost four in my life. Um, when life doesn't look regular, when every day is a different story, a different person's picking him up. Like, what encouragement can you give to a mom who's really struggling with that? Great question and great sensitivity, Heather, um, because I do think life is real different for these kids. Yeah. And they can't articulate. Yeah. In fact, this morning, Link was mass. I mean, the other yesterday morning, he woke up and the first word out of his mouth, wait, is it Monday? No, it was Sunday morning. The very first words out of his mouth were, Mom, Mom, I didn't want to wake up. It was a ridiculous hour. And they were, I love you. And I thought that was dear. And before we could get to church, he'd pretty much beat the crap out of me. I mean, <laughs> just wheels off. Yeah. And the child definitely, sadly, so does his mom. I have to work through her anger at times. Um, it's just physical in yeah. his expression of anger. Mm-hmm. And like we're teaching him that you cannot hit mama, but you can hit that couch and say, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's lots of grace for him, but it's not permissive. Right. And so that's hard, though. It's hard to really rein in the kid that, you know, is really struggling on the inside and to imagine every other kid's mom's picking them up from school to some degree. Mm-hmm. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, a different dear friend accent. Mm-hmm. And they all talk about how great he is mm-hmm. and, and you know, obedient behavior. And that's not what's happening necessarily at home. Like he, feel, he feels safe with you. He does. Safe enough to let safe the wheels come off. And to not believe a lie that he's acting out because of this because i'm telling you four-year-old boys testosterone surge and it's that's like aggression and impulse control low like, yes we're like, talking about self-control and anger constantly like that's just like part of the characteristic yes. of a four-year-old boy but and then added on to that is a grieving that he doesn't know how to explain really yeah. hard to know am i dealing with the four-year-olds yeah am i dealing with my own sin have i been impatient or angry right. or short in a way that's Escalated him. Have we not connected somehow? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah in fact, I'm, when I pick him up at 2.45, I mean, we've got unfinished business from this morning. And I right. felt the very thing. I was like, what can I do to connect with that child mm. before we deal with his anger expressed towards me this morning? Mm. And um, normally he wouldn't go to school without it, but it was just too hurried and chaotic today. And, um, and then um, what is the grieving child that can't find expression that ironically... I do think he's pretty crazy about his mama, but ironically, I get the worst of him. And I don't think that's coincidental no, in, light of this, in light of the situation. And from parenting experts, I've heard that's actually a good thing, mm-hmm. that you get the worst. That I think pity so. Pity the child that is the best with the parents. I feel that way. I don't feel like It's he's, not fair, but... It's not, <laughs> but I don't think he's parented out of fear. And so he's free to express his feelings. And, and that's it. And I'm grateful for that. Yeah. That was very intentional. And so, in fact, to your point about obedience, that's not a word. Mm. We harp on a lot. We mm. harp a lot on trust. Do you trust mama? Because mm. I do think out of trust will flow some measure of obedience, meaning you'll trust that my instructions are for your good. Right. That there's a reason I'm instructing you right. in this. Um, because um, I really do want him to learn at a young age to trust us and to learn trust of those who are and we tell him and are willing to admit quite fallible and yet Lord willing at a young age trust his father yeah because some people will say oh they need to learn obedience so they'll obey God but I think that 
that God doesn't say, I mean, he doesn't say people obey him, but he says it's the faith. And that's he belief. Does. He always starts with the trust. And the, the obedience is just an expression it's of an the out, trust. Uh, of the faith. Yeah. And faith being, I believe you, God. I believe yes. you to be all the things that you say. And you I, are faithful so I can have faith. Yeah. And I believe that what you say is good for me. So if I right. believe you, I will do what you say. But I really firmly am convicted. And I just feel like that's how the Lord parents me. Yeah. And with a, a lot of word. grace and a lot of asking me to trust him. More than he asked me just to do what he says. Mm-hmm. So there's a relationship first. Really, the relationship is real key to me. And so I, we kind of focus a lot about on the relationship over the rules mm. in our home. I think the rules can be confusing. And that wouldn't be a really fun way to spend your last... If you know that's your last time, would that be really... That's probably one of the other gifts is I think if there are rules in parenting, if there's rules about they're not supposed to sleep in your bed. <laughs> I haven't been diagnosed very long before I'm like, you know what? When my four-year-old crawls in my bed, he can stay here. And that was one of those early on gifts to you that I was like, oh my gosh, if there's some silly rules that I'm not supposed to be in my bed or silly to me. I mean, right, 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 right. You know, right. Rules that people have Rules that I have picked to. up and yeah. people have clung to and I've probably felt guilty about at times. Mm. That there's a real sense of, um, you know what, that's going to be okay. And I wish I would wish that for other people too, to have that freedom to not be bound by some things we picked up along the way that we don't even know why we do them because mm-hmm. it does allow me and help me really evaluate why do we do what we do if these days are numbered oh Jen so good you're just awesome to chat with and um, so many good nuggets in here if you had any last words for the women um, who are struggling with maybe that eternal perspective mm-hmm. you know what what words of hope? What what are you? What is your you know maybe a, a word that you cling to or an imagery that keeps you going when it's a hard day? I mean, what's do you have any last mm-hmm. thoughts? I love that question because hope has probably been the word, mm-hmm. and I think I heard once someone talk about hope that has not only the longing for, but it's not like a wish. Like I might mm-hmm. wish for something. It's a longing, but also with an expectancy, mm-hmm. like I expect it will happen. So it's rooted in that level of that faith we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So there's this hope of glory and hope and belief that the Lord will redeem this in Lincoln's life and the Lord will sustain Scott as a single parent That's um, that requires me to really trust him, but also that idea of the faith that I don't know how this is going to turn out, mm-hmm. but yet... I can believe and I have hope in that which I yet do not see. Mm. And I don't know how it's going to turn out. And so for those moms that are going through a hard season physically or emotionally or, you know, single moms or uh, failing marriages, I would want them to know that the Lord sees them and he knows them and that this life truly is fleeting. Mm. And they may not get the tangible reminder that I'm getting about a cancer stage four cancer diagnosis. But in light of eternity, which is specifically the name of this book that blessed our hearts, I think if they can keep focused on that, they can um, maybe endure, and sometimes it is enduring, in a way that doesn't have to be hopeless or full of despair, because they can know that what they're waiting on and what their hope is in is a worthwhile wait. A real thing. A real, tangible, awesome (laughs) incredible truly heavenly gift Mm. wow well thank you so much and I know a couple of your friends are here (laughs) and I'm sure 
some a lot of them will be listening to this and if you could take a second and thank them what would you say to them I don't know if I can do this (laughs) it's been the best the hardest thing I've ever done and I feel um, loved beyond words I feel sad for them at times because I feel like I get all the attention the care calendar and they just have to kind of grieve and watch me struggle and suffer and can feel helpless and hopeless and yet have to continue to be faithful um, to love me and some really unattractive throwing up in their car kind of get the gag bag can you rub my feet to fall asleep ways um but I wish for more women to have friends like these. One thing I did want to say for those women that are struggling and those of you that aren't, that I feel like it's it's hard in the crisis to go build that support system. Mm. And so mm. to invest in women's lives now, mm. um, and not because you're going to need them in case you have cancer. <laughs> as insurance. As insurance or using people. Right. But that the time invested in friendships, meaningful friendships, is worth it. I think they're getting the short end of the stick. Um that I am eternally grateful for the women that have loved our family. Now we're all we're just like blubbering methods. <laughs> I will definitely need a clean eggs that. alert for this episode. <laughs> Jen, it's Mel and Kelly. And you'll appreciate that this is our eighth take to try to record a message. <laughs> I'm too edited. I'm too, I have to, I don't, I'm trying not to say anything that is cussing or inappropriate. (laughs) But so all that to say, we are so happy. We just got to be with you. And the one constant through all this, I feel like is that we always get to laugh and be together and enjoy our time. We always enjoy our time. And that you have a way of, even in the midst of all this, that you light up a room, that you make us laugh, you make us better. You challenge us. You convict us. You are amazing. And I know you don't want us to say that you're brave and you're our hero, but you are brave and you are our hero. So you just have to deal with it. It's true. It's true. And we love you so much. we're so proud of you. We love you so much. You're a great mom. You're a great friend. You're just, we are just so proud of you. Love you so much. Thank you, Jen. I do know friendship is very valuable to you, and um, you're just good at it. I love my people. Yeah. Well, I've always heard a good friend has good friends, Mm -hmm. so um, I'm sure the feeling is mutual. And just thank you. Thank you for being available today to chat with me, and um, yeah. Yeah. I will put links to where they can find you and follow your journey, and um, y'all can hear more, a little bit of your story. Mm Mm-hmm. In Mel's book. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Nobody's Cuter Than You. Mm-hmm. And they can hear kind of, you know, how do you do friendship? If mm-hmm. they're wondering, like, I do that's want that. Question. And mm-hmm. we don't maybe have time today, but, like, that is uh, a topic that I think a lot of women struggle. I agree. So And miss the blessing. And miss the blessing. Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. And thank you for being here. I'm just so thankful. I'm honored to I'm talk well. about the things that are near and dear to my heart. We love you. Thank you, friend. All right. Bye. How you doing? Pretty amazing, huh? I mean, she's just a fabulous, fabulous woman of God. And I'm so thankful for all of her heart and what she shares. And 
I um I just want I want y'all if any of you have a friend that's going through a hard thing, um even like Jen said, a hard marriage, job loss, and you are trying to be a good friend and walk through that with them. I want you to be able to get a copy of this book just show up. Um to be entered to win, I think we'll just capture comments over on the blog. So if you go over to godcentermom.com, uh, you can leave a comment there. I'd love it if you just say a prayer for Jen and let me know that you said a prayer or leave a prayer for Jen. And I'll I'll let her know that you did and she can go over there and look and be encouraged. Um, that in itself will enter you to win. If you want to subscribe to the podcast and let me know in those comments, that's great, but not required. Um, anything you do. I will enter you to win a copy of this book. Uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you have a very, very Merry Christmas and that you are able to stay focused on your get-to-do list and to see heaven here on earth and just be with your people. All right. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.